Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else in between. Welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. Well, this review, I don't know how to describe it, but maybe this could be the end, my friend. The end. Yes, that sounds a lot like a song lyric, doesn't it? Well, maybe you say... The day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run. Try to hide. <coughs> Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side, yeah. Okay, well, now I hope you all kind of get that reference. If you don't, then maybe uh, this other one might get you. Boom, 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 boom. Riders of the storm. Boom, 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 boom. Into this world we throw. Dun, 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 dun. Into this world we throw. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, enough of the singing and the fucking whispering. If none of you fucking get what I'm referencing. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else in between, please welcome, in order of appearance on this film, the legendary band known as Robbie Krieger, John Densmore, Ray Manzarek, and the one and only, and I do mean... The one and fucking only. I do believe there's also John Densmore, who I might not have mentioned already. But the other person is the last member of the band, who is actually the singer. Robbie Krieger, Ray Manzarek. Robbie, Robbie Krieger, John Densmore, Ray Manzarek, and of course, the one and only, Jim Morrison. Now, who would that band be, ladies and gentlemen? Well, it is actually... The Doors, yes. I am talking about the Oliver Stone film, The Doors. Released in 1991. This, al- this movie stars Val Kilmer, Meg Ryan, Kevin Dillon, Kyle MacLachlan, Frank Wale, Michael Madsen, surprisingly, Kathleen Quinton, and of course, Billy Idol. Now... This film portrays Jim Morrison more in a bigger-than-life biopic, like, icon sort of thing, who is very... I don't know how to describe him. It includes the portrayals of his recreational drug use, his free love lifestyle, as well as his hippie lifestyle, his alcoholism, his interest in hallucinating drugs, as well as his obsession with death. They weave in and out of the film, which came out in 1991 it's mostly focused around like it mostly emphasizes on the life of jim morrison and it starts out with a little road trip on his way back through the desert a desert highway in 1949 where a young jim morrison sees an auto wreck and sees an elderly native american native north american dying by the roadside and he 
he's kind of uh this kind of leaves him in a daze of sorts, and this kind of stays with him for the rest of his life. It jumps to 1965, where he arrives in California and starts to assimilate the Venice Beach hippie culture sort of thing. And during his tenure at uh, UCLA, he meets his future girlfriend, Pamela Corson, as well as Ray Manzarek for the first time, as well as Robbie Krieger and Don, John Densmore, who all formed the doors with him. But this is also at the same time he decides to quit making movies because he tried to make a movie that was very um, interesting, to say the least. And during his studies there, no one really liked it at all. So he actually convinces, after recording one song with his bandmates, he decides to convince them all, including his girlfriend at the time, to travel to Death Valley and experience the effects of some mescaline. Upon... Returning to L.A., they find themselves going to Whiskey A Go-Go and doing several shows there. One day, the onstage antics that he had, as well as his performance for the group song The End, upsets the club owners, and they're actually ejected from the venue, sadly. But not all is lost, really, because um, Paul A. Rothschild and Jack Holzman of Lecture Records actually offered them a deal to record their first album and produce it. And later, they have hits like Light My Fire and whatnot. And, um, well, they're invited to the Ed Sullivan show only to have the producers say they needed to change some of the lyrics, not a whole lot, because they think it's a reference to drugs. Despite this, Morrison actually performs the original lyric instead of what they were wanting to change it to during the live broadcast. And they're not allowed to perform on the show again. They were even going to be promised multiple, multiple times on the Ed Sullivan show, but they, uh, did he get to do that because of John? Well, Jim, I should say. Not Jim. Not John. Jim Morrison. Fuck. Whatever. As I continue, Jim kind of becomes more and more infatuated with his own image as something called the Lizard King, and he develops an addiction to alcohol and drugs. And he meets some random girl one day at a... a at a... Right at a show called Patricia... Keneally? Keneally? She's like some rock journalist who's involved with witchcraft and participates in some mystical ceremonies with Jim as well as a hand-fasting ceremony and the elder spirit of the East visualizes, watches over these events. The rest of the band kind of later on starts to grow, grow very weary of his recording sessions and his missing of concerts and all this. He like it, This really comes to a head heavily when he's um, late to a performance in Miami and he becomes very confrontational towards the audience, ex allegedly exposes himself on stage. This is like one of the lowest points for the band and he actually gets himself arrested for it. And there's criminal charges held like that are put against him. There's some cancellation of shows and... Um, He's found guilty of indecent exposure and ordered to serve time in prison. He's allowed to appeal, like he's able to be allowed to be free remaining on bail, but he also has a bit of a mental breakdown, and this also kind of resent, like makes him resent the rest of the band and a few other things that are going on in his life, and he just he doesn't know how to, just, to go about it. And this is just going on and on and on for him, and it's just, oh my goodness. A lot of the movie does, like I said, kind of involve their experimentation with music and then performing live. 
Like, after the whole Miami-Florida incident, they aren't even able to go to Kent State. They aren't able to go to Woodstock. They're not able to go anywhere because of Jim Morrison's antics. He finds out that Patricia is pregnant, and he, and he tries to convince her to have an abortion. And the last time he visits um, the band for the final time is actually where, like, uh, at a birthday party Ray is hosting where he wishes the band luck in their future endeavors and gives them a copy of his poetry book, An American Prayer. And he plays in front of, like, he plays in the garden with the children. And um, he visualizes himself and comments to himself, this is the strangest life I've ever known, which is a, a reference to Waiting for the Sun. After all that, after all that is happening, he moves to Paris to escape the pressures of L.A. and whatnot and just decides to just live life comfortably and just kind of be a little, not himself, you could say. But what really happens is he literally... Like, basically, he goes out there and, uh, finds himself dead at the age of 27 with heart failure. Well, I know this is getting, this was not a very lengthy review on this movie. I didn't know how to really explain it all, and I felt the need to condense this review because, well, the doors are not to everyone's taste, I would have to say. This movie was very different. If I'm truly honest, it was not a movie that was done lightly and tried to be done in a ha-ha sense. This was meant to be very serious as a biopic that kind of took itself a, a bit of a in a weird direction and it didn't work. Like, if I'm truly honest, I'm not saying this is the worst movie I've seen this year, but it's one of the movies I didn't expect and not really enjoy. I mean, during the closing credits, they are... To uh, have they, they actually show the band recording "L.A. Woman" in the studio, they do have a bit of a little bit that says during the before the closing credits that um, Jim Morrison is said to have died of heart failure. He was twenty seven years old. His girlfriend at the time joined him three years later. I don't know how. Like this movie is very weirdly dramatized. It's not super accurate, but at the same time, it's not meant to be like. A Bohemian Rhapsody or a Rocket Man. And Rocket Man itself is not truly biographical. It is to some degree, but there's a lot of fantasy pieces of it too. So it's what you think of it. You know what I mean? It's not intentionally meant to be um a book that like a movie that you could just sit down and watch and feel comfortable doing so. Because this is made by Oliver Stone. This is the same guy. That made, literally, I kid you not, he's the one that made Platoon, Wall Street, JFK, Natural Born Killers, Nixon. Like, he's made quite a few projects that are actually, if I'm honest, some of the best things that most people like have seen, honestly. He even helped write Scarface, the 1983 version, not the 1932 version, because that would have been kind of hard to do if you weren't born yet. I mean, he directed W, which is actually not a good, uh, not a bad one either. He also directed one of my favorite films of 2016, Snowden, which to this day is definitely a movie I've been 
wanted to talk about for the longest time. I don't think I'll ever record a podcast for that one because it's so difficult to go on and explain what's going on because it's still happening to this day. Like some of the things that are going on, it's it's a little too political. Let's just say it's a little too political and hard to kind of talk about if it's going to be a politically based thriller. It's not like a fictionalized thriller like Air Force One or any of the Jack Ryan movies like The Hunt for Red October or Shadow Recruit or Clear and Buzzard Danger or The Sum of All Fears. It's nothing like that. Like It's not like a Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy novel turned movie. I can't... Like those ones, I could easily do no problem. But Snowden, on the other hand, I can't because it's real life and it feels a little bit more difficult to talk about. But then again, this film was dramatized real life as well. Like it wasn't... I don't know how to describe it. This movie was very haunting at times, too. Like, especially when they're talking about, like, near the very end, they're talking about one of my favorite songs by The Doors, Riders on the Storm. And I don't know if, um... There's another person that I don't know if they were featured in it or not, but they might have been. I don't know. I have to take a look quickly to see if they were... I know Crispin Glover is in this movie as Andy Warhol for a couple of scenes, and the American actor Tom Baker is played by Michael Madsen in this one, and he's in there a little bit, but not a whole lot. But I don't see the one person I don't see in this movie is actually who I thought would actually be in this, but I guess he's not. I don't know if he worked on on the song or not, but uh, I'm surprised I didn't see Phil Spector, who was... um, Known for his ridiculous uh, wall of sound thing that he did. And, uh, well. Sucks to be that fucker. He's dead. Thank God for Philip Spector being dead. Bastard. Guy was a fucking maniac. But whatever. I'm not gonna get into issues with him at all. I'm not gonna do that. But, I guess he wasn't, uh, someone that worked on. That song, maybe, I guess. I don't know. I guess not. I thought he produced it. I guess he didn't. Okay, it was Bruce Botnick who produced that song. Okay, that makes more sense. But whatever. It doesn't matter anyways. It was one of those songs that I like listening to. It's very haunting. It's very epic. But you know what? Whatever. What is my rating for this movie? I bet you're all wanting to figure out what it is. Well, if I'm truly honest, I have to give this film, as much as I like Oliver Stone for what he's done in the past, I kind of can't give this a film a solid 10 or a 9 or an 8 or even a 7. I have to give this film... I hate to say it. This film, The Doors, gets the 4. Now, I'm not saying this movie was subpar. Quite the opposite. I just didn't find it enjoyable. Maybe a second time or a third time watch through, I might find it better. But the first time, I didn't like it. I really didn't. I really wanted to. Val Kilmer's performance as Jim Morrison made me want to watch it and really enjoy it. Just be engrossed by it. But... It didn't work. It really didn't work for me. Maybe Natural Born Killers might be a movie that I'll review next of Oliver Stone's work. I don't know when. Sometime in the future. But if I'm honest, this was a movie I didn't like. 
I honestly, maybe I need to be on mescaline or some acid or something. But even then, if I was on any sort of hallucinogenic substance, I don't think I would have enjoyed this movie just as good as much. I would probably not be able to record this podcast because I would have been inebriated and I wouldn't have felt safe to do so. I would have probably said something very messed up. But you know what? I gave this a shot. My friend recommended me to watch it. I gave it a shot. Maybe I'm being too harsh on it, but I feel like it's 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 stuck between a four and a five. And I'm I'm sticking on my guns here, and I'm giving this film a four. I'm sorry, but this film was not that good to me. But at least I gave it a shot. And well, next movie review, I don't know what will it be, but it'll be something. And um, well. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else in between, I hope you all enjoyed this review. Next one's coming very soon. Enjoy it next. This is Scott signing out. End transmission. So